0: Good morning and welcome to Wellness Wednesday. This is Stacey Rudin, Facility Director at the YK Fitness Center. And I'm joined by Mark Leary from the Bethel Search and Rescue Team. And we're talking today about safe winter travel around Bethel and the Delta, and particularly about traveling on the ice. Uh, Good morning, Mark.
1: Yeah, good morning and Happy New Year.
0: Happy New Year to you. Um, Could you introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Okay. Um, Mark Leary. Uh, I grew up here on the Kuskokwim, uh, mostly in Bethel. I had all my school in, schooling in Bethel, but I sp- spent a lot of time growing up upriver. My family from Kalskag, um, and I've lived in other villages uh, upriver uh, o- over the years. And in living in each place, I learned many different ways of doing things from many different good people, uh, and especially about traveling on the ice er, early in the season and, and actually throughout the season. Um, the way we look at the ice is just like most things in our natural world, it's, it's a living thing. Um, we watch it be born in the fall and then we watch it uh, grow up throughout the winter. Lately, it's, the ice has been kind of sick, but it's getting healthy again as it cools off and then in the spring we watch it die so I had a lot of good teachers and this is kind of the way they taught me to look at the ice
0: that is an amazing perspective and I think that that's really important for people to keep in mind is that the ice is ever-changing throughout the season and it's important every day Every day, yeah. it's important to be safe. So um, can you tell us a little bit about how, how do we know when it's safe to travel on the ice? What are things that people should look for?
1: Well, you know, um, living in the villages gave me a whole different perspective. Um, when you live in Bethel, you know, we live a, we might not think so some days, but we live a pretty comfortable life. And if you don't need to go on the river at Bethel, you don't have to. I mean, everything is at your fingertips here in Bethel. Um, You can run to the store and get just about anything. Um, But when you live in the villages, I think people are much more in tune with uh, the world around them, especially the river. And... um, they, they, a lot of times there's a need to get out of the village to go get something or, you know, to go to Bethel or Aniak where, where they have more things available, more more goods and services. So um, we learned that, uh, and, and, and in some places, you know, in Bethel you have, like, Bethel Search and Rescue to tell you if it's safe or not. In, in the villages you don't have that... Um, you go find out for yourself. Uh, usually y- you learn from older guys. You, you learn by going out with older guys. And, and that's the way I learned. Um, the generation that taught me, they didn't sit still, you know. Um, they were the generation that still, they grew up living off the land and, and being out any time of the year is, is who they are. And they have to do it, and that, that rubbed off on me too. Uh, a day not being on the river is not a good day. Uh, I get restless, uh, restless when we're like you're, you know, like there's a big party going on and you're you're not there. That's that's what it feels like when I'm not on the river. I wonder what's going on out there. You know, I know what I'm missing today. Uh,
0: that's excellent. So, what are some of the things that the elders taught you about looking, um, trying to figure out when the ice is safe to travel on?
1: Observing. Uh, always be observant and and be humble. You know, um, some people call me expert. No way. Don't call me that. That that's that sets up a red flag. Is and it's almost an insult. I'm not no expert. I have a little bit of experience, and I continue to get more experience every year. Um, uh, so don't think you're smarter than the river, or you're going to get wet, <laughs> 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 or worse. Uh, yeah. Um,
0: so what do you look at when you're looking at the river and trying to determine whether it's safe?
1: Well, the weather. The weather's when, like, for example, in Bethel when the ice freezes in in front of Bethel and it usually it freezes you know kind of before the rest of the river because in front of Bethel doesn't have so much current anymore um we oh that oh and that's the thing every morning we check we check the river every morning as soon as we it's light enough to see we look at the river and knowing the air what the air temperature If the ice frees in front of Bethel and you you have, you know, a few cold days, then you know, and others know, lots of people know, um, it's going to be okay to walk on it soon. Um, And then, you know, of course, you have to have something to test the ice, an ice pick, a simple tool. You know, you can buy them in the store or you can make one. Um, the ones I grew up with were, were homemade, you know, spruce pole handles with uh, some kind of piece of metal bolted on the end. Uh, and as long as you have a way to test the ice in front of you, uh, you'll be fine. You can, you can go if your ice pick doesn't go through the ice in less than two or three good strikes in front of you. Uh, if it goes through in one strike you don't go out there Uh, two strikes you be very careful it should be all right Uh, but you keep and that's what we do every year after after the ice is stopped in front of bethel and it's been cold for a few days uh, depending on how cold um, a few of us will call each other and say let's go check and we go out and check um with ice picks and see and that's how we know and uh uh, the people that are out there monocking and putting nets they're also a good source of information once they get out on that ice maybe it's maybe four inches is good three inches is okay but four inches is (laughs) better and Uh, that's for walking and walking just walking um people get out there and put nets while it's easy to put nets while the ice is not thick and they start monocking right away and those are the people we talk to them they talk to us they're watching the ice grow because they're out there every day and um, they're the ones that help determine when it's safer to go a little further and a little further and you know pretty soon it's safe enough to use a snow machine and and little by little, the trails spread out from our from our communities, and eventually they connect. And then, gradually, we're all connected again. Um, it's that freeze-up and break-up time where we we lose our our connectivity.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So, how thick does the ice need to be for snow machines?
1: Well. You know, we're always, mm, I'm, I'm not sure the right word, but what we say it, it look it up on the internet because <laughs> we, we can tell you something and we might be wrong and you might get yourself in trouble. You know, for me, uh, six inches is, is fine. Six inches is plenty for me. I'm not going to tell you that's the same same for everybody. And there's all different kinds of ice, to, you know. There's all different kinds with different strengths and weaknesses. So
0: can you talk a little bit about how how we know those different types of ice?
1: Well, usually by by color. If you can see the ice, if you can see it, and that this is where we uh, this year we we've had trouble. The ideal freeze-up w- is the waters low in, in the Cuscoquim and the tributaries, and it freezes, and then we have a a long period of good cold weather with no snow. That's what we always hope for, uh, but this year we didn't get that. It froze and it snowed not too long after it froze, and. Once that happens, it's very hard for the ice to get thick. We've been checking and checking and checking and checking uh, and watching the ice grow very little or not at all.
0: And is that because of the temperatures or because the snow insulates the ice? The snow is
1: insulating it. So you know, from a snow machine perspective, it was a good winter for a while. Lots of snow, pretty good traveling although the snow was covering up some dangerous areas. Um, but for from the ice road pr- uh, perspective, uh, it was bad, bad conditions for ice road. The ice wasn't getting thick enough for us to put heavy equipment on it for plowing. Um, so what we needed was a total mo- meltdown. <laughs> Start <laughs> <for> over. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's what occurred recently. Um, and now the river is—we ca- we call it healing. Um, the river is healing itself back up. And it always always amazes me how fast it heals after a long warm warm spell.
0: Um, so, for everybody that doesn't like the cold, we want the cold for a good ice road.
1: Yeah, just in just general safe travel, you know, we want to in the after freeze up. We want to two weeks, three weeks of good, cold, clear weather with no snow, everything will freeze up good, the open water will, most of them will close up, uh, but if we don't get that, if we get snow too early, like this year, then then it's um, difficult.
0: So if you can see the ice, um, what are you looking for to determine what kind of ice it is and how healthy it is and whether we can travel?
1: Well, the best ice is good, clear ice, even though it looks scary. Uh, <laughs> it's clear and it's dark. This is freeze-up ice, not springtime ice. Springtime ice, you want to stay away from dark ice. But in after freeze-up, good, clear ice that you could see through, that's the best. You know, that's the strongest Um, and you could see how thick it is by the cracks, in the ice, and it's usually even thicker than, than that, Um, um, there's whitish colored ice, um, gray, there's some, you know, ice that we don't like to see would be rusty colored, um, yellowish colored, um,
0: what does it mean if it's rusty or yellow color, color?
1: You know, maybe it's like iron water. It it, It's not very strong. It melts easy. It gets soft. Um, these are areas that open up during warm spells like we just had. Uh, and they're the first areas to open up in the springtime, too. Um, I guess maybe the more... Pure the water is the better the ice it makes. There's makes w- sense. We call it, there's snow ice 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 that's made. If it snows when it's just about freezing, or the wa- water's freezing, it, as soon as that snow hits the water, it starts making ice. You know, it hits that super cold water, uh, and it's not as strong because it has a lot of uh, I don't know gaps in it.
0: More air in it, possibly?
1: Some like that, yeah. Um, that's another thing we watch during late in the fall. We start watching the water temperature in, in the river. That's how we can kind of predict when the ice is going to start running and, you know, make people aware um, that it's time to stay close to home or you might get stuck out in the ice somewhere when if the ice starts running. And if it starts snowing when the water's cold, it'll make ice very fast and people can get stranded uh if they're out or if they're trying to go, you know, between villages. Um,
0: that's good to know. So you mentioned that And barges
1: can get stranded th- like we saw we this fall. Saw that.
0: <laughs> Did they get that barge out? No, there's still, no, still there. there. Yeah. We'll see it in the spring. So speaking of spring, you said that the spring ice is different from the freeze-up ice. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah. You know, the the natural freezing process, is the ice is freezing um, in layers, I guess you'd say. You know, getting thicker and thicker. Uh, But then in the spring, when the sun gets strong and the water starts warming up, the ice... Changes instead of layers, it becomes you know, we call it needle ice, some people call it candle ice. It's it turns into uh, vertical columns,
0: kind of uh, like chunks.
1: No, like, like a long that's why some people call it candle ice, like long, tapered candles. Hmm. The ice structure changes like that, uh, vertically, and you know, you can. St- step right through it. Those vertical columns of ice, those needles we call them, or candles, just, you know, they they just go straight down when you step on them. And we had an accident a few years ago where um, five people on two four-wheelers went through an area of needle ice, and that was a very unusual year. That was on March 31st. Uh, There should have been at least a month of safe travel to go. But they went through with four-wheelers, and we got called out uh, to rescue. And when uh, Charles and I got there to the scene, it looked like nothing happened. Uh, There was just two people there. Uh, The others were gone, and we lost them. Mm and they were sitting there on the ice. One was laying on the ice and it looked like nothing happened. That's how needle ice is. Because they just went straight through? They go straight through and then it closes back in over you. You couldn't even tell those four-wheelers went through.
0: Um, how do you know if an area is needle ice? What What do you look for?
1: Needles. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, you'll start to see it early in the spring as the sun gets stronger. you'll start to see it in areas of ice that are exposed like um, cracks, um, chunks of ice that are sticking out. You'll start to see them needling up and that's you know that's just the start of the process of the rest of the ice. The main ice to, will gradually need, needle up And you'll as you, as you're traveling, monocking, bird hunting, whatever, the top. The top will start, you'll start to see the top of the ice needling up, and it gets progressively deeper. The needles get deeper and deeper, and you, you know that the ice is getting rotten. And that, and you add into that, the ice is also being eaten away underneath uh, by the warmer currents. So we, we did some... Ex- Testing a few years ago, and it's not the same every year. But uh, the ice got 10 inches thinner in one week Uh, that year. We were testing it. You're losing from underneath, and you're losing from on top. Uh, So, and uh, and as it gets thinner, it generally gets darker. And so the darkest ice is thinner and more dangerous, and you avoid those. But in these recent years, and including that year that we lost those people on the, those four-wheelers, it wasn't like that. It was white. And we've been trained, the way we brought up, you you travel on white ice in the spring, it's safer. But that wasn't the case. And other people have mentioned that to me too, that they've seen that. so. There's I guess there's things happening that we're not understanding with the uh, warming climate. Uh, so
0: Everything's changing. <laughs>
1: it always is, you know. Uh, it is. It always is. So and
0: speaking of change, um, the Cuscoum, a lot of people don't realize that the Cuscoom is a tidal uh, river. Can you talk a little bit about how the tides impact the ice? and uh, winter travel?
1: Yeah, that for the lower river especially, that's one of the big factors to be aware of when traveling. Um, you know, the tidal influence gradually fades away um, as you go up the river. Um, it's really noticeable in the winter. You know, the tide water we see in front of Bethel, along the sides, mm-hmm. it gets less and less as you go up and then right above Akiak. Just above the village, it stops. That tidal water you see on the edge. Um, so, so generally, the m- the further down the river you go, uh, the deeper it it can be, um, and the darker it is means the deeper it is. So you avoid if you avoid those dark, deep overflows, tidal overflows. And For anybody
0: w- that's not familiar, can you talk about what a tidal overflow is?
1: Tidal overflow is uh, river water that um, seeps in. You know, when, when the river freezes in the fall, it, it freezes to the beach, right? And then the river, the main ice out there gradually, it, it floats. It goes up and down in the tide. It breaks away from the be- frozen beach ice, and there's, there's a crack there. Um, there's a crack there, f- following the shoreline, uh, and and that crack can be one of the safer areas to travel later on, um, but that's where the tidal tide water from you know there's a high tide, two high tides every most every day. Not every day has two, but um, and the water comes up through those cracks, and f- makes a tidal overflow along the, on the along the sides of the river. Um, and when the b- wind blows southerly, it pushes more water in from the, from the ocean, so the tides are usually bigger, the high tides, when there's strong south winds like we've seen in recent days. Uh, and you can tell that it's uh, tidal overflow by it has a color to it, right? If it's just melt water, you know, like rain or snow melting, it's clear, clear water. But if it came from the river, uh, it's yellowish, uh, and the deeper it gets, it it gets darker yellow, and eventually, real deep overflow looks brown, dark brown. Um. Just like the river water. Yeah. yeah. So. And yeah. So if
0: they're seeing that overflow, they need to make sure to avoid that area.
1: Well, if it's it Again, it like depends on the color. If it if it's light yellow, that means it's shallow. You can drive through it and get out to the main ice where it's good. Um, but if it's if it's deep, dark, dark colored, then uh, you shouldn't. Unless you're a hot rodder, uh, what they call <laughs> water skipping, uh, you, you can you can generally zoom across it uh, to get out to the good ice. Okay. Just, just be be aware uh, of the color. The, the, the darker the color, the deeper it is. All and right. f- you know, especially for something like on a four wheeler, um, you can't zoom across that water. Uh, you, you'll drown your four wheeler. And I see people with trucks. I think they they think they're on a snow machine. They try to zoom across the overflow, and I say no, doesn't no, work no, the same way. That, you, that's not how a truck works. <laughs> You just get everything all wet, and, you know, these electronic trucks nowadays, they don't like water. Um, no,
0: they do not. <laughs> yeah. So, so can you talk a little bit about what uh, people should do if they do fall through the ice?
1: Get out. <laughs>
0: but how?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, if you're alone, you know, first thing is don't give up. We were taught to never ever give up. There's always a way. Just calm. Be calm. Be calm. You can get yourself out. Think about it. Um, if you're, you know, if your head and arms are above water, you can get yourself out. Um, you're gonna probably need something to grip the ice with, you know, and. Generally, you know, we always have something in our pockets, especially in our snow pants. You know, I have a a Leatherman and a flashlight and and a lighter in my snow pants pocket always. Um, If you're new to the region, you should have something like that in your pocket. Some guys carry spark plugs. Some guys have a, a bolt, you know, some way to grip the ice and get yourself out.
0: Something you can hold on to and kind of make a spike out of to yeah. punch the ice and pull? Yeah,
1: you know, something, something to grip the ice. If you don't have nothing, if it's cold enough, you know, uh, I've heard of people letting their gloves freeze to the ice, you know, uh, and pulling themselves out that way. Um, you know, if you're not alone, you know, you're you're much better off if you have s- somebody there. and. We always carry rope, I mean, you know, uh, search and rescue. Uh, and just for everyday living, it's always good to have a rope. Uh, you can do so many different things with a rope, and that includes pulling people out of the water, pulling snow machines and four-wheelers out of the water. Um, I have a a rope uh, wrapped around, ready to go on in front of my handlebars on my snow go, and that rope is near and dear to me. Stuck snow machines and four-wheelers, and it's even saved a few lives. Um, I treasure that rope.
0: So in addition to rope, what do you recommend people pack when they're um, heading out to travel?
1: Well, uh, you wouldn't want to see what I carry. (laughs) But the reason I... The basics, the essentials. Yeah. The reason I carry what I carry is because I've seen so many... Situations over the years we needed this needed that Um, but yeah the basics the basics to take care of yourself or somebody that you find that might need help Um, one of the most basic things that we were taught early on extra socks and gloves if you get your feet and hands wet you know or if you get your body wet your feet and your hands freeze first and once those freeze you can't help yourself you know so uh, extra extra socks and gloves um, and
0: i heard an old anecdote that uh if you do get wet to dig through the snow and find some grass and stuff that in your boots is that true
1: oh yeah that that's an uh, ancient um tradition around here is dry grass um Get it in between your skin and your clothes. Let your clothes freeze. You'll be okay. Your, your frozen clothes will be like a, a windbreaker. And that air space in between your skin and your clothes will, will warm up. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we talk about that one every year. Um, one of those things that we, uh, hasn't gotten lost. It's still, it's still passed on every year. And if there's no grass, you could do something else, uh, but grass is the best thing, you know, just to create that air space. Another one uh, that is is commonly used up river. Um, if you get wet, to put your wet part of your body, if it's half your body or if it's your whole body, in the snow, in the powder snow, and the snow is like a sponge, it draws the mo the water away from you. Uh, and I've done that myself. I've used that myself, and it works good.
0: So um, what are some other tricks that people can use uh, to get out of the water if they fall through the ice? Uh, when we teach here at the fitness center, we talk about not trying to push down on the ice and push yourself up, but rather to kick and kind of swim up onto the ice like a seal. Is that what you recommend?
1: Yes, yes, that that would be really good Um
0: and then don't stand up right away. Kind of roll yes. away from that yes. that thin ice.
1: Yes, so keep your your body weight spread out until you get to where you know it's safe. Um, we had that very thing happen when we were rescuing the survivors of that four wheeler accident. Um, they wanted they wanted to stand up and walk, and they just fell right through again. You know, we we went out there crawling, and I had a I had a long pole. That I was holding on to, spreading out my weight, and I got out to him with a rope. And uh, but the one guy, he stood up when I got to him, and I told him, "No, no, 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 don't!" And he went right through the ice again. Um,
0: so stay low, and you brought a pole with you. I'm assuming to reach out to them instead of um, having to get too close. Yeah, we talk about reach or throw something out, a rope or something, Mm -hmm. as opposed to going really close, because then you're adding weight to Mm -hmm. the ice if you're out there as well. Yeah. So if you can reach or throw instead of going out there, that's a great option.
1: The rescue line I carry on my snow machine, I put a net cork on the end of it with a reflector for nighttime, Mm. and then it has a, a... maybe you call it carabiner hook or something mm-hmm. on it and it's easy to throw that that net cork out there and somebody can grab it and then it and they
0: can even clip it to themselves yeah. with that hook that's great yeah
1: another end has a hook too um
0: so stay low don't get up until you're on that healthier ice So anything else that you would recommend um, for folks either before they go traveling or just to be mindful of while they travel?
1: Number one thing is travel sober. You know, that's 99.9% of our rescues and and unfortunately recoveries are alcohol-related, you know. Um, It's pretty hard to get in trouble if you're... You know, if you're in your right mind and and traveling reasonably, you know, uh, travel sober and travel, spend time with older guys, um, spend time with them, go out with them, and and learn.
0: Are you volunteering to
1: to teach? Uh, Well, we like we we you know. I had a lot of good teachers and I'm always glad to share that that was hammered into me by them, you know, pass on what you learn from us.
0: Fantastic and travel sober. You never think it can happen to you, but it, there's always that possibility because as you said, you know, the ice is a is a living thing and constantly changing, so people need to be prepared.
1: Yeah. I'm missing out sitting here doing this show. The ice is changing. I want to go see. (laughs) It's cooling off.
0: Well, we really appreciate your time. Briefly, before you go, can you tell us a little bit more about Bethel Search and Rescue and how people can get involved if they want to uh, help keep the ice safe for folks, want to help uh, with rescues, or anything else that they can help your organization with?
1: Okay, well, Bethel Search and Rescue is just a, a more organized extension of who... Who we are in our region, you know, we, we help each others and we watch out for each others and and it was started, you know, a few decades, quite a few decades ago by you know people like uh, Freddie Pete and them. I'm I'm not sure who all, uh, but it it it's grown and grown and um, it's all volunteers, you know, um, and anybody's welcome, uh, and there's a wide range of ways you can help out. Um, you don't have to be willing and able to go out searching, but there's many other ways you can help out. You know, at, at the headquarters, when there's a search going on, there's there's you know all kinds of things that need need support at the headquarters. And there's a lot of a lot of preventive activities that vessel search and rescue and all search and rescue groups along the river do. You know, like trail marking and open water marking. Open water marking is a a real high priority for Bethel Search and Rescue. Um, That's a good way to help. And you never know how many lives you saved when you mark an open hole. You'll never know. But you just know that you helped.
0: And when we were chatting earlier, uh, you also mentioned that even if you're not necessarily an outdoors person, uh, Bethel Search and Rescue can even use help with bookkeeping and organization um, for uh, you know, helping with receipts and funding and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So how would somebody get involved if they wanted to um, become part of Bethel Search and
1: Rescue? Joining our group is, is really painless and informal. Uh, you just have to go to a meeting um, and and we usually have meetings at least once a month more when when there's a reason to have more um, such as freeze up and break up times yeah you know. but you just go to a meeting and usually towards the beginning of the meeting they'll they'll ask um, if there's anybody that wants to join search and rescue that's not a member already and people will raise their hand and um they'll stand up and tell a little bit about themselves and then the the membership membership that's there at the meeting will vote and you'll be added to the roster um when i've never seen the membership not vote in favor of somebody joining uh, uh you'd have to be a real bad person to not not get voted in <laughs> uh, you know
0: awesome and how do they find out about the meetings
1: we try to get them on thunder drums and bethel search and rescue has a facebook page and there's a website Um, and sometimes sometimes we'll even get a group text out you know
0: awesome So, um, we don't have the information on the Bethel Search and Rescue page just yet, but I will add Bethel Search and Rescue to the list of volunteer organizations that we have posted on the YK Fitness Center uh, volunteers page. So, that's ykfitness.org forward slash volunteer, and you can find out about all kinds of volunteer opportunities here in Bethel on our page. So, anything else that you wanted to add for uh, our listeners, Mark?
1: oh gosh I don't know um we just always always want everybody to be safe when they're traveling and um, if you're not sure um ask
0: if you're not sure ask that's perfect so thank you so much for your time today mark um this is all for us thank you for being here and sharing your your knowledge and um sharing about Bethel search and rescue and how we can all be safe while we're traveling on the ice. Um, again, if you're interested in uh, getting involved with Bethel Search and Rescue, you can reach out. Um, check our uh, website, ykfitness.org forward slash volunteer, and we'll get all the contact information for Bethel Search and Rescue on there. Or you can just see if you can find them online. 100. I want to thank Alex with the KYK team for recording and producing this conversation. And thank you all for listening in. Please stay safe out there. Travel safely. Think before you go on the ice. And have a happy, healthy day.